the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yep, and we are back and raring to go at 6.05. Randy Corporate in for Stefan Tubbs. I do Saturday nights. Part of the weekend evening lineup. Matt Dunn, Backbone Radio Sundays from five, from 4 o'clock on. I don't know why I was... You know, they used to be at 5 for the longest time, like 20 years. So I guess that's an easy mistake. Uh, and I do Saturdays at 5 and just love when I get an opportunity to spend some time with you. And obviously we're uh, excited about... Stefan's recovery and getting him back in the saddle. I hope he'll be here Monday. I know Jimmy Sangenberger was already planning to cover the Friday Thanksgiving holiday, so he'll be with you on Friday as we wrap up this week. But uh, what a great show it's been, man. We we heard from Ron, who was married to his beautiful wife, Shirley, his one and only for 69 years military. Ron, if you're listening, I think I forgot to thank you for your service, but of course I do you know where my heart is in that regard. And then before that, and by the way, if anybody can top 69 years, anybody getting close to that diamond anniversary at 75, um, there's still time, 303-696-1971. But our first longevity call was 55 years, first date ever, married the woman. We got to talk to her, Carolyn, and... Uh, and we got some of the secrets for these long-term marriages, and I've I've learned some of them. Still hanging in there, never letting go, as long as she'll have me. And um, my wife had success. I reported earlier she was texting frantically about her destroy. I mean her her pumpkin cream with vanilla pudding and whipped cream center pies are absolutely classic. They are world class award-winning if there was an award. And she always has to make enough each year so that the kids can take them home, take one home, after no matter how much we eat on Thanksgiving Day. And for the very first time ever that I can remember, something went wrong and something curdled or didn't work right or was spoiled. I don't know. And so she was freaking out. But we had a good friend come to the rescue who just happened to be at Walmart and was able to grab whatever the replacement ingredients had to be and i proud to report that the refri- the pies are going into the refrigerator to firm up and cool and get ready for ravenous grandbabies and youngsters tomorrow and uh, so i am very thankful for that really just can't wait 303-696-1971 is our number and um, you know whatever you're thankful for it can be political it can be personal survived a health scare uh, met somebody new, somebody got well, somebody texted in and talked about our friend Dave who um, got diagnosed with terminal cancer. He was at stage four lung cancer and uh, really just planning a, a quick exit and a miserable exit. And damned if he is not stabilized and hanging in there and as stubborn and fun and interesting and talented as ever. And... You know, I, I, I'm sure he's still sick, and I haven't seen him now in probably two months. But 
Oh, man, oh, man. It just every day you just learn to treasure and savor every single day. And to have somebody bounce back like that and still be hanging in is pretty darn cool. Many of you know the story of Tom Tancredo. He, another dear friend, and he got nailed with cancer, went through a whole bunch of chemo and everything else, colon cancer, just no appetite, all kinds of side effects. Talk to him often. And the day that he gets identified cancer-free, He's driving home from the doctor. They stop off at, uh, I think it was Costco or maybe it was the Lowe's, but uh, I think it was Lowe's. And big truck he was driving and did not see a low, a concrete abutment of some kind, some kind of a divider or something, and just bumped it, didn't bump it hard in the parking lot, no seatbelt, and wouldn't have hurt anybody, didn't hurt his wife who was in the passenger seat, but he bumped his head on the steering wheel. Because he was unbelted and, you know, wasn't ready for it. And because he was still on blood thinners and had just finished all this chemo and nonsense, he was rushed off to the hospital. For, let me put it this way. He drove himself to the hospital at the insistence of his wife. He didn't want to. He just wanted to go home. And they discovered he dropped when he got in the emergency room because he was having a brain bleed. And when I visited him in the hospital after that one, he 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 was not strong. He was he was Tom, big smile, lots of humor, but uh, but it was scary. And he's back. He's out and about. We've had him at tea party meetings and other political events. And oh yeah, it, you could just you could talk nonstop for 180 minutes minus commercials to about all the things that you can be grateful for if you just take a minute to think about them. And friends and family are at the top of the list. I think I mentioned in the last hour how grateful I am for the opportunity to be here. So I am thankful to Brian Taylor, the general manager, and Kelly Michaels, the program director, and, and everybody else who makes this thing hum. And I'm thankful to Peter Boyles and Stefan Tubbs and Jimmy Sangenberger and Matt Dunn all and Dan Kaplis and everybody who allowed me to do fill-in for them um, and eventually find my way into a, a weekly slot here on 710. And then hang on to me in spite of all of the nonsense and all of the, oh, just the unbelievable upset that uh, some people have brought to these discussions about things like election integrity and the danger of the vaccines. And another country, was it Australia, uh, just made a passed a recommendation, people under 30 don't take it. I wasn't planning on going down those roads tonight, so I didn't dig up any of the actual stories. But I am so thankful. And I know Jim, I think it may have been tongue-in-cheek, although he was one of these many people. I voted for Trump, but he's got to go away now. But he called in with just happiness. I'm grateful for four successful years of Donald Trump. And uh, let me just remind you, Trump, as president-elect, his first Thanksgiving speech back on November 24th, 2016. We are very blessed to call this nation our home, and that's what America is. It is our home. It's where we raise our families, care for our loved ones, look out for our neighbors, and live out our dreams. It's my prayer that on this Thanksgiving, we begin to heal our divisions and move forward as one country, strengthened by shared purpose and very, very common resolve. 
In declaring this national holiday, President Lincoln called upon Americans to speak with one voice and one heart. That's just what we have to do. We've just finished a long and bruising political campaign. Emotions are raw and tensions just don't heal overnight. It doesn't go quickly, unfortunately. But we have before us the chance now to make history together, to bring real change to Washington, real safety to our cities, and real prosperity to our communities, including our inner cities, so important to me and so important to our country. But to succeed, we must enlist the effort of our entire nation. This historic political campaign is now over. But now begins a great national campaign to rebuild our country and to restore the full promise of America for all of our people. I'm asking you to join me in this effort. It's time to restore the bonds of trust between citizens. Because when America is unified, there is nothing beyond our reach. And I mean absolutely nothing. Let us give thanks for all that we have. And let us boldly face the exciting new frontiers that lie ahead. Thank you. God bless you, and God bless America. Amen. I say amen. From that divisive, fascist, insurrectionist, racist. I just, and he kept those promises. Incomes of average workers up, 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 and focusing on black communities, special communities, business opportunities. More black people came to the Republican Party, Hispanic people. I hate the labels. I hate the divisiveness, but it's so necessary because that's the way that the left plays and wins the game. And so we have to be willing to push back. But Trump was always optimistic. He believed we'd get through the pandemic in much quicker than we did. He believed the idiots around him like, oh, this guy. I didn't shut down anything. I recommended to the president that we shut the country down that he was getting the advice that he needed to protect a nation and vaccines love them or not and i do not and thank god something else i'm grateful for no one in my family took that poison so very grateful for that but he used his skills and his power as president and his acumen as a businessman and a deal maker to get those vaccines made super fast and and all with the best of intentions i hope and and i pray that he stays away from touting that as a success because it turned out to be a mistake but at the time based on what was happening based on the information that we had it was another example of the tremendous power and ability to get things done of donald trump And I, for one, am very, very grateful for 45 and soon to be 47. And compare that to this guy. Joseph Biden admitted today that he committed plagiarism when he was in law school. He said it was a mistake, but that it was unintentional. He quoted five pages of someone else's work without proper citation. I've done some dumb things, and I'll do dumb things again. He was given an F. So, ladies and gentlemen... I've been dumb. To the political community in Washington, it all seems of a piece. Plagiarism at law school, plagiarism on the stump. The great communicator. Strike that. The great imitator. You don't steal verbatim. 
uh, or when you do, as he did 99% of the time, you give credit. Biden's critics say he sells himself as a man whose words and visions can inspire a new generation in politics. But if the thoughts, phrases, and visions really belong to others, it's a form of false advertising. Uh, you think? Uh, it was fun to hear Ted Koppel's voice in there. Remember when I, I used to love Nightline, and I Ted Koppel had me sold that it was straight up legitimate news, and I did not understand the political spin that entered into nightly newscasts even back then. Nothing like it is today, of course. Three major networks, limited competition from CNN and eventually other cable outlets. Um, it still had the the feel and the the um, I don't know the impromptu of 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 integrity. And Ted Koppel was as good as any of them, wasn't he? Let's just do one more. Let's get the Biden lies out of the way. Joseph Biden may have more explaining to do. The new questions stem from taped remarks of Biden during an April campaign appearance in New Hampshire. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. Went back to law school and, in fact, ended up in the top half of my class. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only 123 credits. Biden now (laughs) concedes he did not graduate in the top half of his law school class, that he does not have three degrees from college, and that he was not named outstanding political science student in college. Newsweek says Biden actually went to school on a half scholarship, ended up near the bottom of his class, and won only one degree, not three. Joe Biden ranked 76th in a class of 85 at the University of Syracuse Law School. I mean, this guy comes off this whole thing as a flyweight. Now Biden says Newsweek is right. His memory had failed it. Yeah, his memory had... He even lies about his lies. Oh, you know, I forgot I was in the bottom 76. I I thought I was in the top five, and and I forgot that I only actually graduated with one degree because I really did think that I'd graduated with three. What... How did they let him get away with it? How did he stay? Gosh, what other scams and and sacrilege and corruption did he participate in to sit in the Congress for so long? It is absolutely disgusting. And boy, am I thankful that the Internet is there. These recordings will exist forever. I've played those recordings of, you know, Kamala Harris questioning uh, voting machines and how da- talking about how dangerous they are. I, I play this one a lot. Well, I tell you what, it, it helps in Ohio that we got uh, Democrats in charge of the machines. I, I'm just so grateful to live in the 21st century where we can really begin to sort this junk out. And Elon Musk is at it again on Twitter, a new poll. During my show last Saturday, the ending of the Twitter poll about whether Donald Trump should be allowed back onto Twitter occurred during the first hour. About uh, 48 minutes in, I think, that the poll wrapped up with Trump almost 4% ahead after 15 million votes. And within a few minutes, Elon Musk uh, reinstated his account. And you could go look at it. And it had 80,000 followers and then a few million, and by the next day, 20 or 40 million, and now it's up close to 90 million followers, I think. Yet Trump is just staying off. He is focusing on Truth Social, the social media platform that he created to compete with Twitter. And I hope 
someone with influence, and who the heck could that be? But I hope someone with influence on that man is telling him, you have got to get back on Twitter. That, that's too great an impact for you. Put your truth social statements on there, you know, cut and paste them. So that every time somebody reads you, they see truth social. You'll probably grow it faster that way than staying off of Twitter. That that would be my advice. But I do have to admit, other than an invitation to his 2024 announcement speech last week in Mar-a-Lago, which I attended and enjoyed, um, I don't really hear from him very much. But before we go to break and uh, get a heads up on what's coming up in the news with Lori Kelman, uh, this new Twitter poll, I like this one. Should Twitter offer a general amnesty to suspended accounts? As you probably know, Elon Musk has been restoring uh, conservative accounts and, and Project Veritas and uh, just really uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, her personal account, and other controversial. Maybe you hate them. Maybe you don't like them. They're entitled to speak. They're entitled to be heard. And he's been restoring them so quickly. But we're talking about thousands. He can't spend, you know, his days picking and choosing. And so now this is brilliant, Elon Musk. Should Twitter offer a general amnesty to suspended accounts, provided that they have not broken the law or engaged in egregious spam? And here is what is so telling about what's happened on Twitter now that conservatives are being allowed to vote and speak again and that lefties and censorers are and bots are being caught and found out and taken down. 16 hours, 27 minutes left in the poll, which means maybe it's, I don't know if it's been up all day. Oh, it's been up for seven hours. So it's a 24-hour poll, 16 hours, 27 minutes left. 2 million and almost 250,000 votes in so far. Yes, a general amnesty for people who didn't break the law or engaged in egregious spam, 72% to 28%. I will bet you at the end of 16 hours tomorrow on Thanksgiving Day, when the results of this poll are in, that Elon Musk will unsuspend and release all of these accounts, and just you can probably do it with the push of a button. Or in his case, just a wiggle of his eyebrow, kind of like bewitched. Tinkle, tinkle, tinkle. He is a magic man. And that'll be fantastic. We will actually see free and open debate on Twitter full force. Won't have to be begging for doctors who, who pointed out the utility of alternative treatments during COVID and, and that continue as valuable or who expressed concerns, talked about the science, tried to publish their peer-reviewed reports about the dangers of vaccines and blood clotting and, and clots to the brain and heart attacks, myocarditis, all those things. All of those accounts will be restored. And Elon Musk has got to just be loving it. More activity, historic activity, new user activity on Twitter, in spite of the left saying, it's, it's, it's not going to last, he fired all those people and... If he's not balanced, Apple's going to take him out of the out of the Apple store. He won't be able to get the app in the Apple store. And he could care less because he knows the world is his oyster and the free market rules. Really, really cool. All right, 624. Three, phones are ringing. 303-696-1971. We will get to some calls in the next segment. And especially if you have anything we haven't covered so far that you're thankful for. And two things real fast. I just realized... I have not addressed any of the 18 myths 
about Thanksgiving. So we'll try and whip those out quickly. And I just checked the FlyDenver.com website. That's DIA's official website. And they must be up and running because uh, the east and west garages are open. The economy lots are full. The Mount Albert shuttle lot is is open, and the 61st and Pena lot is open but nearing capacity. But wait times at security, and these are live updates, at security, four minutes on the north side, which is primarily TS, or pre-check and clear and some of those pre-check systems. And on the south side, six minutes if you're pre-checked and 12 minutes for standard screening. So looks like things are moving just fine out there at DIA in spite of that power outage that we reported earlier. So that's good news at 625. Randy Corcoran in on this Thanksgiving Eve. Stephen Tubb Show here on 710 KNUS. That's nice. Youngster Leroy, and he knows about these things, says that Nicole Westbrook is about 16 years old. So love to hear the uh, the younger crowd enjoying and, and actually talking about our holidays. The left has tried to just wipe away the significance, and it, it's so disturbing and so sad. And I thought since I wound up getting into this uh, playing the Thanksgiving messages, and, and we did primarily Ronald Reagan, it might be worthwhile. This one's too long. We won't play the whole thing. But it might be worthwhile to hear just a few moments of the very last Thanksgiving message to the nation from President Ronald Reagan. This was on November 19, 1988. My fellow Americans, over 350 years ago, a small band of pilgrims, after gathering in their first harvest Plymouth colony, invited their friends and neighbors who were Indians to join them Don't in a feast of Thanksgiving. Together they sat around their bountiful table and bowed their heads in gratitude to the Lord for all he had bestowed upon them. This week, so many years later, we too will gather with family and friends and after saying grace, carve up a turkey, pass around the cranberries and dressing, and later share slices of pumpkin pie. We Americans have so much for which to be thankful. Think of the great expanse of our nation, the rolling hills of our immense farmland. Even in years of drought, as this year has been, the plows and the sweat of America's farmers call forth from our good earth more food than we can possibly eat. So much food that, taken together, our harvests of wheat, corn, soybeans, fruits, vegetables, and all the other bounty of our land make up one of our most important exports. Not only we, but the entire world can be thankful for that. Millions of children across all the continents are happier, healthier, and stronger because of America's farmers. Now, think of our manufacturing centers. After almost a decade of hard, often painful work cultivating our industrial fields to meet a whole new generation of world competition, this year we can see the first harvest of that work. Almost every American industry is zipping along at near full capacity. A few years ago, journalists were calling the Midwest the Rust Belt. Now, the Boom Belt would be more like it. From Lehigh Valley and eastern Pennsylvania to Dayton and Detroit and beyond, the factory whistles again sound in the old factory towns, and we hope they'll blow soon where they don't now. Yeah, we. I could literally listen to the whole thing, but, you know, this was interesting when you think about it just historically. End of his two terms, um, I've read several biographies about Ronald Reagan, and it seemed like he was aware of problems that he had been starting to experience. You know, he was an Alzheimer's victim. and uh, But he spent this last Thanksgiving address to the nation talking about 
This was November 1988. I probably said that already. Talking about the success of America. And it was as the result of Ronald Reagan's policies. And people who track and understand these things far better than I um, make it pretty clear that Bill Clinton benefited tremendously from the continuing onslaught of Reaganomics well into his term as well. But Ronald Reagan had stepped in and inherited the Jimmy Carter disaster fuel lines and, and put on a sweater if you're chilly at home. And again, the 19% home mortgage interest. Can you imagine? We're, we're all complaining about these increases, which are horrible, but mortgages are still 4 or 5%, I think, for most people. But he did it. And then contrast that to President Donald Trump and, and set aside for just a minute your hate, your vitriol, your misunderstanding, your belief in Russia, 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 or that the impeachments were actually legitimate and, and he just skated by, or uh, your absolutely wrongheaded belief that he fomented an insurrection. We've, we've played the video. We've read the last tweets. We've given the timeline. He didn't stay silent for hours. All of the stupid things that you hear from people who just will not do the work. But regardless of what you think about all that, don't just brush away those tremendous accomplishments by saying, well, I voted for him and I appreciate, you know, it was a, a lot of his policies were really, really good. No, it was historic. It was historic what how he turned this economy around. And especially, and this is why I think he may have been the greatest president of my lifetime, no disrespect to Ronald Reagan, but Ronald Reagan earned the support of 49 states. Ronald Reagan, even though he had Democrats opposing him on certain things, did not have every instrument of government arrayed against him, did not have his own appointments trying to slow down his agenda, did not have his own Department of Justice or FBI setting him up. And Donald Trump did. And yet he still accomplished historic things and will again when he becomes the 47th president of the United States. Other things that I'm thankful for just from the political realm are the fact that we have Democrats out there who are willing to lie like this. We have a secure border in that that is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration. We have taken unprecedented action over the past year and a half to secure our border. And we have a process in place to manage migrants at the border. We're working to make sure it's safe and orderly and humane. The border is closed. We agree that uh, the border is secure. The border is secure. And that these liars put this incompetent at the front on in the front on stage at the White House. You know, I know I, I've heard that uh, uh, Mayorkas is, um, pardon me, that um, Kevin McCarthy is at the border. Uh, and, and the question that we have for Kevin McCarthy, uh, who's soon to be who's soon to be Speaker McCarthy, um, you know, what is what is his plan? What is he doing uh, to help the situation that we're seeing? What what is his plan? He goes down there and he does a political stunt like many Republicans do that we have seen them do. But he actually is not putting forth a plan, a plan to help us, uh, you know, deal with an issue 
uh, that we're all seeing that you all are reporting. <laughs> I'll see that you're all reporting. Uh, he was just reelected. He's not speaker yet. He can't do anything under a Democrat majority in the House and the Senate and an inept president who has left the border open and allowed these record quarter million a month illegal immigrants to storm our border with all of their rape victims and child trafficking and, and fentanyl and all of the other crime and damage and destruction and the eventual impact on our infrastructure, our schools, our hospitals, etc. Nothing he can do. But he did one thing that none of your bosses have done, Karine Jean-Pierre. He went to the border with other Republicans, brought attention to the actual problem, told borders are Mayorkas to either step down or get ready for investigation for impeachment. And he brought with him newly re-elected powerhouse Republicans like Texas Representative Dr. Brian Babin, who's not afraid to say these words. Anyone paying attention at all can see that Joe Biden's responsible for the worst border crisis in the history of our country. No matter how many times Secretary Mayorkas lies about it, under oath, we know that the border is simply not secure. The truth is, the southern border barely exists anymore. The Border Patrol isn't allowed to do their job. What, what heroes we have that we've met with today uh, that work for our Border Patrol but not allowed to do their job. This administration has tied their hands so tight that catch and release sometimes is their only option at this point. We've completely lost operational control over this border in spite of what Mayorkas has told us. Transnational uh, criminal organizations, uh, the, the Mexican drug cartels have taken over. Women and children being assaulted, raped, trafficked, synthetic opioids pouring into the United States. And now we have over 100,000 dead Americans uh, every single year. And the corrupt, coordinated, Democrat-controlled media machine won't cover it, won't cover their presence down there, won't tell the truth about these actual facts and statistics. And it's even hard to get coverage on some, you know, more friendly formats and programs and ah, so very frustrating before we jump back to the phones though this is the most well it's not the most but this is an extremely troubling part of this from texas representative tony gonzalez kevin mccarthy mentioned the suicides 14 suicides this is historic it's no longer migrants that are dying at the border it's americans and those americans are wearing green uniforms Rocky Seriano, here, here in El Paso, recently committed suicide. This is an epidemic. This, is, this, should, this should get us all united. Joe Biden will go down in history as the most corrupt, disgusting, anti-American president probably in world history. And I am no scholar of prior presidents. We have had some bad ones. But nobody has been so in your face and so inept and so willing to, to just open the border wide. And now we have border agents committing suicide. Man, oh, man, I had not planned to get worked up on some of these topics today. So let's see if we can soften the pace before we take our final break of the evening with Harold, who has something he's thankful for. Harold in Denver, thanks for waiting. Welcome. Hi. I, I love your show. And this is a little bit of... Uh, change your pace. I uh, hope that uh, you, you know, we can 
uh, get your blood pressure down a little bit. Yeah, thank you. I was uh, getting worked up there. I'm a I'm a uh, 86 year old uh, uh, citizen here, and uh, I had two shots of COVID, and then after the second shot, I uh, about a 15, 20, uh, 15, uh, 15 to 20 days later. I was feeling the pain, so I decided, well, it's about time that I went to have a uh, uh, physical. So I went to my primary and uh, told them, uh, you know, told them my my plight about pain. But she said, in addition to your pain, she said, what else are you you're concerned with? I said, well, you know, I'm not my, you know, my memory is not that good. So I said, I go from one place to the other looking for something, and I. Yeah, looking for something like a wrench or something like that. I go to a toolbox and I say, hey, you know, what did I come here for? Sure. So I said, that's my concern. He said, well, Mr. Sasaki, you know, uh, you, uh, you know, at your age, those things happen. I say, yes, but I just don't want to have this continue where I can't, you know, remember what I had for breakfast at 10 o'clock. And so she said, well, maybe we should give you a sleep test. And I said, whoa, that's going to be a waste of money in my mind. I didn't say that, though, thank goodness. So she gave me a test, or she prescribed a test and got a test and found out that, uh, uh, you know, in, in the middle of the night, I'm getting choked about 21 times an hour. And I said, well, that, you know, that's kind of a, a problem because uh, that's like being choked every three minutes that's awful. all through the night. Yeah. Uh, and so anyway, I got this test and, you know, got it going and started feeling really good about this uh, CPAP machine. And in addition to that, he said, after having a CPAP machine, you're reading well. We got, uh, you know, uh, confirmation through tests and so forth. But she said, well, let's find out whether if you're getting the proper amount of oxygen at night. And lo and behold, I was getting I was getting. Uh, below 90, like 88, and sometimes b- below, uh, slightly below that. So anyway, I'm, got, I'm on two liters of oxygen in addition to the CPAP machine. And Randy, I tell you what, I'm so grateful because I feel kick butt good every day after about three or four months. Ah, oh, Harold. And I want to use this platform to warn people that lack of oxygen in the middle of the night is something that most of us are not aware of because I thought I slept good because I'm a quiet sleeper. Yeah. I hardly uh, thrash around at night. I don't snore. So I thought I was good, good to go. I go to the doctor's office on a routine check or something, and my oxygen is 97, you know, 96, 95, 96. And so they tell me, you know, you, your numbers are real good. Well, Harold, I've got to get to our news. I've got to get to our news thing. But the, what, talk about a great Thanksgiving share uh, to go through that, not even know it, and then realize once you get back into, you know, normal operations, even at 86, you're feeling good, your numbers are good, and you're still here to celebrate another Thanksgiving. I, I think it's wonderful. I really appreciate you weighing in tonight with a just a wonderful maybe last story of the show. God bless you, sir. Well, that's that's good, and I'm I'm telling people, or I, I want to warn people that just because you think that you're okay at night does not mean that you're okay. Because I thought I was, you know, 
I thought I didn't need any tests like that. Loud and but clear, Harold. Out. Yep, we got it. We appreciate it so very much. God bless you, sir, and have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Really do appreciate the call. All right, we better jump to it because Lori Kelman is standing by with another news update. We'll wrap up the show here on the Stephen Tub Show, 710 Can US Thanksgiving Eve. Stay right there. What a great final bumper for the pre-Thanksgiving show. Leroy behind the glass doing yeoman's work tonight as usual. A kids choir there. I really, really like it. And Lori Kelman, probably not listening, uh, but um, what a sweet exit and Thanksgiving wish and happy Thanksgiving to you and your family as well. Um, hope to meet you sometime because you are really a pro. Really do appreciate it. So things that we're thankful for. I am thankful for the text that I just got from Brother Stephen Tubbs. I had checked earlier with him uh, for an update, and he said, Sorry, just saw. I'll be back Monday. Hell or high turkey. So that is good news. Very good news. Jimmy Sangenberger will be here on Friday. Of course, our weekend lineup. My good friend Dr. Matt Dunn does the historic Backbone Radio, 5 p.m. on Sundays. And I'll be here Saturday, and I'm grateful that they just sent me my promo. Hey, everybody, after we've all come out of our comas and had our stomachs pumped after what I hope was a terrific Thanksgiving weekend, it's back to work on Saturday. Filmmaker Joel Gilbert has been predicting Michelle Obama's run for president in 2024, and it's all falling into place. He'll tell us how. And the sad sack spokespeople for the Colorado GOP are all doom and gloom. We'll pump them up Saturday. Randy Corcoran, now at a new time. Saturday. That's right. Okay. I Just quicker to do it that way than for me to tell you about my show coming up Saturday at 5 o'clock, and hope you'll join me. We will also be talking about something I am tremendously thankful for, and that is that Jen Pasaki, and yes, I know the P is silent, but I just love Saki, so I can't do it. Jen Pasaki has been ordered by a federal judge to sit for a, defi uh, a definition, a deposition. And I love it. He said that she has personal knowledge about the issue concerning censorship across social media as it relates to COVID-19 and ancillary issues of COVID-19. And that any burden on Pasaki is outweighed by the need to determine whether free speech has been suppressed. And this is the woman who stood at the podium and called for criminal, civil, congressional inquiries into the events of January 6th, warned the individuals targeted, including President Trump and his former aides, they must comply with the legal process. And she just, she would gloat over investigations when they would come up and insist that people comply with their subpoenas. Anyone who defied congressional subpoenas, she said, should face criminal charges. And she tried to avoid her own deposition. We'll certainly get into that and have some fun with it. I uh, f came across these Ronald Reagan Thanksgiving Day messages that are quick. 1981, although we are a pluralistic society, the giving of thanks can be a true bond of unity among our people. We can unite in gratitude for our individual freedoms and individual faiths. We can be united in gratitude for our nation's peace and prosperity when so many in this world have neither in 83, today, let us take heart from the noble example of our first president and let us ever be mindful of the faith and spiritual values that have made our nation great and that alone can keep us great. Amen. 
And in 86, in this year, when we as a people enjoy the fruits of economic growth and international cooperation, let us take time both to remember the sacrifices that have made this harvest possible and the needs of those who do not fully partake of its benefits. And let's see if we can squeeze in one more thankful call. Linda is here. Linda, welcome. Oh, hi. I just wanted to tell you, I love you guys so much, and I'm really glad you're on the radio because you and Matt are my favorites, and I like your producer a lot, too, and just wish you a very, very happy Thanksgiving. And I really appreciate you, and thank you for being you. God bless you, Linda, and happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. What a sweet way to end the show. God bless you, and have a good night. You too. Good night. All right. Well, I'm going to be, I won't need my car to get home, just kind of float home. What a great calls. If you missed any of the early hours of the show, I know Leroy will get them up, the podcast up, probably before I get into my car. He just does them so fast now. But I love the stories of the 86-year-old who'd been married for, what was it, 60, oh, shoot, I didn't write it down, 68 years. We had Ron, who had been married uh, to his one and only Shirley for 69 years, 13 kids, 13 great grandkids. Uh, thankful to see another Thanksgiving. And we got the secrets, you know, don't go to bed mad and uh, and talk, man, talk and know when not to talk, know when to listen. And I've learned this with my wife, who's a whole hell of a lot tougher than I am. Learn when to walk away. Let things cool. Whatever you've got planned tomorrow, you know, if you're alone for some reason, go down to a shelter and, and serve some food, serve some poor. It just, it makes you feel so, so good. Grateful to everybody for all the texts, all the calls. Leroy, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you, brother. Better believe it. I will see you Saturday at 5 p.m. for Wake Up with Randy Corcoran. Always remember, please never forget, God loves you. So do I. Stefan's back on Monday. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Mark Levin is next. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 